Y'all doing well this morning? Everybody glad to be here? It's good to, good to see you. John chapter 10 is where we're gonna go. So a few years ago, one of my good friends and mentors, he made a statement to me that has stuck with me for more than a decade now. And when he first made this statement, it kind of frustrated me. And it may frustrate you when I say it to you, but over the years, this statement has really proved itself to be true. I, mean, I remember he looked at me and he said, Dave, successful people discover quickly that all relationships are not created equal. Successful people discover quickly that all relationships are not created equal. And maybe internally right now, you're having the pushback that I had. I thought, no, you're wrong. All people are created equal. And he said, you're right. All people are created equal, but all relationships are not. All people are equal, but all relationships do not deserve the same priority in regards to your time and your energy and, and what's going on. And he said, you'll just kind of watch this play out in your life. Successful people learn quickly that all relationships are not created equal. And so it, it bothered me and I wrestled with that statement and I kind of wrestled with that uh, thought process. But over the years, I've seen that play out in so many ways. Isn't it true that in a marriage, if you wanna have a successful marriage, that you discover quickly that all relationships are not created equal, that your spouse should get the priority over other men and women in your sphere. If they don't, you're not gonna have a very good marriage. Or if you're a parent, you discover very quickly that although all children are created equal, there's something about your children that are special and that they deserve priority. This is true in business, right? So there are certain clients that deserve more of your time and your energy. This is true in your friend groups that God will give you a variety of friends, but every now and then you will have a friend that is different from your other friends. You'll have a relationship that is different than your other relationships. And this is one of the truths that I've been kind of chewing on and wrestling with ever since my friend said it, that although all people are equal, all relationships are not. And as you read through the gospels, you'll see very quickly that, that Jesus really lived into this. Although, although he never said it that way, you see very quickly that Jesus, who was fully God and fully man, Jesus, who was full of God's unlimited love, showed us what it was like to do life with very limited time. Jesus' love was unlimited, but his time was not. And it's here in the midst of Jesus' short 33 years on earth in the context of his earthly ministry that he begins to give us a picture of what it looks like to steward, to unleash, to release the unlimited love of God in the confines of your very limited time. And one of the things that you see Jesus doing over and over throughout the scriptures is giving priority to certain relationships. Jesus' first relationship that he always gave priority to was with God the Father. You see this like upward priority that he'd wake up early in the morning, he'd get away to the lonely places and he would dig in uh, with the father because he knew that hearing the father's voice, knowing the father's love, knowing the father's heart was fundamental to his everyday existence. And so you see this upward priority in Jesus' life. You see this inward priority in Jesus' life. And so often right after spending time with his father, he'd come down the mountain and he'd spend time with his disciples, his community of faith. The people that he's doing life with day in and day out, week in and week out. And so you saw this upward priority, you saw this inward priority. And then one of the things that we at Ethos love so dearly about Jesus is that you see this fierce outward priority. That, that Jesus turned that unlimited love of God towards the world that had not yet seen and tasted and experienced the grace and the mercy and the love of God. And Jesus gives us this picture of how the unlimited love of God 
begins to flow into the world in the midst of our very limited lives. And so when we started Ethos almost seven years ago, we started really kind of wrestling with this kind of picture going, man, what would happen if a community of people prioritized our relationships and the pursuit of our relationships the way that Jesus did? What would happen if a community really said, man, knowing God is the biggest deal in your life? What if a community said, and out of knowing God, we're gonna then in turn live with one another in ways that no one else is living, what would happen? And then what would happen if this community who knew God deeply, who loved each other fully, turned their eyes on a world and said, man, there's something to do. What would happen if our church embraced the upward, inward, outward relational rhythms of Jesus in the world that we've been sent in? And so every Sunday we end our worship gatherings by talking about this. We say, as a church, we exist to love God, to love people, and to go into the world awakening the movement that Jesus began. And so for the next three weeks, this is what I want us to hone in on. I want us to really wrestle with what would happen What would change in your world and in our world if we prioritized, if we really believed that all relationships were not created equal so that the love and the power of God might flow through us fully? So this morning, we're gonna talk about how does this happen as we relate to God, the the most important relationship in your life. If this is not the most important relationship yet, our prayer is that your relationship with your heavenly father will become the most important relationship. And John chapter 10 is where we're gonna do that this morning. I think it's one of the most beautiful chapters in scripture. And I'm gonna read through it for us. We're not gonna read the whole chapter, so you're gonna have to kind of keep up with me. But we pick up in John chapter 10, we're gonna start in verse two, and Jesus is in the middle of using a very practical analogy for the people that he was originally speaking to. He is talking about the way a shepherd loves his sheep. And Jesus is gonna say, if you wanna understand what it's like to to know God, to relate to your heavenly father through the work of Jesus Christ, he says, I wanna tell you this story about a shepherd and his sheep. And we're gonna start in verse two of John chapter 10. This is the word of God. I'd invite you to read along with me or to listen to these words. It says, the one who enters in by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. I want you to notice over and over how many times as we read through chapter 10, Jesus is gonna make it clear that the shepherd is speaking and that the sheep can hear. The sheep can listen. He keeps going. He says he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. When he has brought them out, On his own, he goes ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. Jump down to verse 10. The thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy, but I've come that they may have life and have it to the fullest. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The person who is just hired to take care of the sheep does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. And you can imagine Jesus just saying, but this is not the way your heavenly father operates. He keeps going in verse 14. He says, but I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, listen to this, and my sheep know me just as the father knows me and I know the father. And Jesus is saying, listen, there is a level of intimacy with God that is available to human beings that you've yet to tap into. Just as I and the father know each other, so you can know me as well. I lay down my life for the sheep. Jump down to verse 27. This is gonna be sort of our thesis for the morning as we kind of try to get our minds around the message of John chapter 10. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I've been wrestling uh, with this all week. I go, isn't it true 
that there is a huge difference between knowing about someone and actually knowing someone. You know, so a lot of you, you know, in kind of our celebrity-obsessed culture, you know a lot about celebrities. You know, you know the names of their kids and the names of their pets and the, and the names of the schools that their kids go to because you're a stalker and you're weird like that. But you, you keep up with them and you kind of know everything there is to know about certain people, right? But isn't there a big difference between knowing about someone and actually knowing someone, like being in a relationship with them? You can know about your boss but not be in a relationship with your boss. You can know about your neighbors, but not actually know your neighbors. And you can know about God, but never actually know him. And isn't it true that there is a depth of joy that comes, not in simply knowing about someone, but in actually knowing them. I remember uh, when I showed up to, to college, my freshman year, I'd been on campus about 20 minutes. I walked into this freshman orientation program and I walk into Collins Alumni where all of the freshmen were kind of gathering for this uh, kind of big moment where they're gonna welcome us to campus. And I remember um, this beautiful woman walked up on stage. Uh, she was a junior, uh, upperclassman, cougar. As soon as I saw her, I was like, wow, God, you have outdone yourself with that one. That's amazing. <laughs> and I was talking about her heart primarily. Just I could tell she loved the Lord. <laughs> and was into the Lord. And uh, I remember seeing her, and I did what any 18-year-old creeper will do. I immediately began collecting information about her, like, what's her name? Where's she from? What is she like? What is she into? Oh, her name's Sydney. She's from Murphy. Oh, you know, I'm like learning all these things. I'm married to her, spoiler alert now, so <laughs> turned out good for me, okay? But I'm sitting there, and I'm, I'm trying to collect all the information. What can I, what can I learn about her? But there was this, this moment that changed when I went beyond knowing about her to actually knowing her. And what I discovered is although the information I learned about her really made me intrigued in who she was, knowing her was the joy. We went from strangers to friends to boyfriend, girlfriend, to, to, to engaged, to married. And now it, it is amazing to me. There's no one on planet earth that knows me like her. And there's no one on planet earth that knows her like me. And there's this depth and there's this joy of knowing someone's joys and their passions and their hearts and their sorrow and their fear and their love. And there's so much more in knowing someone than knowing about someone, right? And you know, most of my life, unintentionally, I subscribed to a version of Christianity that said the main goal was to know a lot of things about God and that knowing him was actually off limits. And I want you to look back at verse 14 with me. Jesus says, no, this is not the way it works in the kingdom. Look at verse 14. He says, I know my sheep. Listen to this, I know my sheep. We could spend the whole week on this, but I want you to hear this. So many of us feel like nobodies here on earth, but you're already somebody in the kingdom of heaven that your name is already known in the throne room of heaven. And when you feel like an outsider, when you feel like you're not known, your heavenly father already knows you. And Jesus says, listen to this truth. I know my sheep, I call them by name. But the other side of this truth that he says in verse 14 is not just that God knows us, that's amazing. But he says, you can know God. You can know him. You can move beyond just learning the rules and the facts and the stories into a place of relationship. I remember when someone first started talking to me about this reality, they said, hey, Dave, you can know God. And to be honest, it made me very uncomfortable. 
Because it was much easier for me to get my mind around how do I keep the rules than it was for me to get my mind around how do I relate to a God that I can't seemingly touch, hear, talk to, respond to. Maybe you felt this before. It felt like someone was saying, hey, Dave, you can relate to gravity. Well, how do I relate to gravity? If I step off a cliff, it will push me to the ground and that'll be the end of me. I don't like that relationship. And for a lot of my life, relating to God felt the same way. Hey, you can relate to God. How? How? And Jesus says, I've come. I've come to give you life to the fullest. And that full life is found in you knowing your heavenly father. And the great passion of my life is that I will become a man who does not just know a lot of things about God, but that I know God. That my family will not just know a lot of things about God, but that they will know God. And that our church family will not just know a lot of things about God, but that we will know God. That we'll gather in this place, not for more stories and facts, but that we will gather to touch the glory of the living God. And that you'll leave here knowing that you can know him. Now I wanna just talk about the elephant in the room before we get back into the word of God this morning. Talking about knowing God is so fun, but learning to, to live into that is so frustrating. Uh, have you ever felt frustrated by that before? You know, someone stands up and says, you can have a relationship with God. It's like, great, I want it, but I can't. How? How? How, how do I step into this relationship? How do I begin to know him? How do I begin to love him? How do I begin to, to walk with him? And I just wanna encourage you this morning. If you've ever found it difficult to relate to a God that you can't see and touch and hear at times, you're the most normal human being on planet earth and you fit in so fully here. But there is some hope that goes beyond any discouragement you've ever felt in trying to connect with God. And your hope is what we just read all throughout John chapter 10. Your hope in connecting with God the Father is not through your goodness or your work or your efforts or your prayers or those things. The reason we can have hope in connecting with God is that Jesus Christ has come. That Jesus Christ has removed sin. That Jesus Christ has eliminated the barriers between you and your heavenly Father so that you can know him fully. The mission of Jesus on earth was not just to remove your sin. Now, I want you to hear that carefully because so often people go, whoa, 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 wait a minute. He did come to remove sin. Of course he did. But that was not the entirety of Jesus's mission. It was not just to remove sin. Jesus came to remove sin so that you could know your heavenly father. And sin was the barrier that kept you from seeing his goodness. Sin was the barrier that kept you from knowing and dwelling in his presence. And so of course, Jesus came to deal with the sin. But the reason he came to deal with the sin is so that you could know the one for whom your heart was made. I'll just read one passage of scripture over you and then we'll jump back into John chapter 10. This is out of John chapter 17, verse 26. Right before Jesus faces the cross, he's in this moment of intimate communion with his heavenly father. And this is the prayer that he prays. I want you to listen to this. He says, Father, I have made you known to them and I will continue to make you known to them in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them as well. Jesus says, here's what I've done. I've come, Father, to make you known. I've come to reveal your goodness. I've come so that ordinary people can reach out and realize that the God who is walking in the garden is the God who is here in our midst, and you can know him. And Jesus says, I'm gonna remove all the barriers so that you can know him. Lean in. In John chapter 10 this morning, I think Jesus is gonna give us a framework 
for how we begin stepping into a relationship with God through the person and the work of Jesus Christ. But Jesus is gonna give us two words that I think really kind of give us a framework for knowing God more deeply. And I just wanna kind of encourage you on the front end. These two things that we're gonna talk about, this is not a formula. God is not a cosmic gumball machine. You don't put the quarter in, turn it, and then get what you want. God is a grand mystery, a wonderful, wild mystery but he is someone that you can know. And I think Jesus gives us two words that can help us kind of understand how to walk into that mystery. And those words come out of verse 27. Look back at verse 27. This is where we'll spend the rest of our time. He says, my sheep listen, that's the first word, to my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. My sheep listen, and my sheep follow. My sheep listen, and my sheep follow. Jesus is gonna say, listen, there's a relationship on the table. You can know God, but part of knowing God is you understanding that he has come to you through the person of Jesus. He has removed the barrier of sin, and in order for you to enjoy that relationship, there's gonna be both a listening and a following that will open up your ability to know God more deeply. And so let's talk about this first one for a second. What does it look like to become listeners that hear the voice that know the heart with which their father's communicating to you. Uh, this is a frustrating thing for me. I'll just kind of share my baggage with you, is I'm a terrible listener. If you could get a um, graduate degree in tuning people out, I would have a PhD and then some. I could write courses on this. You can just ask my wife. We will be standing in the kitchen and Sydney will look at me and she'll say, Dave, I'm getting ready to tell you something really important. Can you pay attention? She'll, hey, can you pay attention? I'm like, yes, I'm paying attention. My eyes are open, my ears are open. And she'll tell me something, and then about 30 seconds later, she'll say, hey, can you repeat that back to me? And I'll go, and she's like, I just told you, to I know, I know, like, I, I, I'm so bad at listening. Are any of you like that? You just struggle to listen? I, I'm the world's worst listener. I struggle to listen to people that I can see and hear audibly. How hard is it for me to listen to a God that I can't see? <laughs> I go, sometimes when it comes to God, I feel spiritually ADD. Have you ever been there before? We just go, man, like, God, I know you. I want to love you. Oh, there's a butterfly. God, I love you. I know you. Oh, email. God, I love you. Have you felt that way? You just struggled to listen. And Jesus says, my sheep, they listen. My children, they listen. My people, they listen because I'm speaking. And over the years, this has been a real frustration for me. God's saying, listen, part of having a relationship with me starts with you becoming a good listener to your father who is speaking. I wanna give you just a couple of practical words. Over the years, by the grace of God, he's helped me learn how to listen to our father, the ways in which he speaks. And God is just, uh, he continues to teach me this, but I'll give you a, a few words that may help you. Um, the first word is awareness. I think the beginning of this journey for me was God had to help me reclaim a biblical awareness of two realities. One is that God is always speaking. And two is a knowledge of the ways in which he is speaking. And so most of my life, I don't think anyone ever taught me this, but I just kind of bought into this idea that God doesn't speak anymore. Some of you may believe this. Some of you may feel this, and you're certainly welcome here. Um, but it's gonna be tough to know God if you don't know how to relate to him. And one of the primary ways we relate to anyone is through communication. So most of my life, I thought, God doesn't speak anymore. I'm not sure why I thought that. And then I went through a season where I thought, well, maybe he speaks, but he doesn't speak to people like me. 
Maybe God speaks to the spiritually elite, but he doesn't speak to the spiritual nobodies like me. Of course he talked to Moses. He never talked to someone like me. Of course he talked to someone in this room, but he never talked to anyone like me. And so most of my life, I kind of lived under the weight of two false narratives, that God doesn't speak and that he certainly doesn't speak to anyone like me. But one of the things that happened a few years ago by the power of the Holy Spirit is God began to give me this awareness and he began to give me this biblical awareness that, that God is certainly speaking. Job 33 verse 14 says that God is always speaking, but people are rarely perceiving. And one of the things that I, I realized is most of my life, I had allowed my very limited experience of God's voice to unintentionally limit God's ability to speak to me. I thought, man, God, you don't speak, so I'm not gonna listen. God, you don't speak to people like me, so I'm not gonna pay attention. And I walked around under this assumption that if God really wanted to get my attention, he would speak audibly through the clouds, he'd beat me over the head, and then I'd do something about it. But as long as he didn't speak that way, I could keep managing my life the way that I always had. But the Spirit of God started disrupting me and giving me this awareness all throughout the scriptures that God speaks to humans. It's what I love about John chapter 10. How many times in this one chapter does Jesus say, I'm speaking, I'm speaking, I'm speaking. My sheep listen, they know. And Jesus says, it's not just that I'm speaking to the leaders, he says, I'm speaking to the sheep. And if you're a part of the family of God, if you've been saved by the blood of Christ to know your father, should be a normal expectation of walking on the journey. And so this awareness that God still speaks, but kind of a second piece of that awareness was not just that he spoke, but the ways in which he speaks. And so God began to develop this thing. I mean, I started reading through the scriptures going, okay, God, how do you communicate in the scriptures? And I realized that God spoke audibly, but he spoke in ways that far exceeded auditory voice. Throughout the Bible, you just go and read this. You see God speaking audibly to Moses and Abraham and Jeremiah and Isaiah and a lot of the prophets and some amazing people. You see him speaking inaudibly to the human spirit in Romans 2. You see him speaking through the written word of God, which Jesus continuously affirms. You see God speaking through people like prophets and preachers and friends. You see God speaking through creation, Romans chapter one, so that no one is without excuse. You see God speaking through supernatural circumstances burning bushes, fleeces that have been laid out, shadows that will stop. You read the scriptures, it's amazing. You see God speaking through visions and dreams and a variety of things. And what began to happen a few years ago is God said, hey Dave, I'm speaking, I'm just waiting for you to listen. I'm speaking. And this awareness, not just of the reality that God speaks, that he wants to talk to you, but this awareness of the ways in which he speaks began to radically change me. And so this way that I started growing as a listener was in awareness. I'll give you a second word. Second word was appetite. That as I grew in this awareness that God still speaks, man, this spiritual appetite in me just began to swell. I went, man, God, if you still speak, oh, would you speak to me? God, could I know your voice? Father, could I know your ways? And all of a sudden I found myself hungry for the word of God. Hungry for the voice of God, hungry for the things of God. I go, are you there? Have you ever been there going, man, I wanna know God. I want to know him. So I began growing as a listener through awareness. And that awareness led to an increased appetite. I'll give you one more word in regards to listening. Kind of the third thing was I began to arrange my life differently. 
I began to arrange my life differently. I went, God, if you do speak and I want to know your voice, God, I'm willing to arrange my life around the voice of the Father. The truth is none of us in here have any trouble hearing. We just have trouble hearing God. Your whole life, you are bombarded with messages and voices. You wake up in the morning and it's your friends or your spouse or your roommate or your children. It's your inbox, it's your clients, it's the people that you're working with, it's the folks at school, it's marketing messages, it's TV, it's music, everything's coming in and so often it comes in all at once, right? You and I don't struggle to hear. We struggle to hear God's voice. And Jesus says, I've come so that you can know the Father. And one of the ways that you'll know the Father is as you begin to hear, there's this awareness that he speaks. There's this appetite that's kind of stirring up within us. And so we begin to arrange our lives. I just want to say this as gently as I know how. If you do not arrange your life around the voice of your heavenly Father, you will not grow in deeper intimacy with him. If you don't arrange your life around the voice of your heavenly father, you will not grow in deeper intimacy with him. Think about a few months ago, I took my two oldest sons to Monster Jam, which is the most gloriously redneck thing we've ever done as a family. It's a monster truck rally at the Bridgestone Arena. we're there and we're just like, you know, just pounding corn dogs and popcorn and eating terrible food. And we have these noise canceling headphones on because those trucks are the loudest thing you've ever been around. So we're there in this arena, the music is going, we have the headphones on to, to protect their hearing as much as possible. And my, my middle son, Jack, who at the time was two, would keep looking at me and because he d- doesn't understand the uh, principles of um, hearing, he'd look at me and he'd say, He'd start talking, he'd just look like this, because it's so loud, I couldn't hear a word he's saying. I'm like, Jack, man, I can't hear you in here. And so, you know, he, he would take off my headphones, and now I really can't hear him, so I'd put the headphones back on, and I'd pick him up, and we'd scoot down the aisle of the Bridgestone Arena, we'd go out into the, the, the lobby, and I'd take the headphones off, and he'd take my headphones, now, what do you want? Can I have some more popcorn? Yes, you can have, <laughs> we, go, we go back in. Yes, you can have some more popcorn. And one of the things that I, I began to learn is if I wanted to hear his voice, I would have to arrange my life in such a way that I could hear his voice. And the reality is that until we choose to arrange our lives around the voice, we will never be good listeners. And when we are not good listeners, we are not good knowers. And when we're not good knowers, we settle for knowing about. Jesus says there's more than that. Says my sheep listen to my voice. Look back at verse 27. I know them and they follow me. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I love that last half of the passage. They follow me. That listening to God is, is not just about the joy of knowing that he's real. Listening to God is about the joy that's uncovered as we begin to follow in his footsteps into the wild adventure of God's amazing world. The goal of our church family is not to just gather and go, wow, we heard from God. The goal of our church family is to gather and to go, oh, wow, we heard from God and Father, we are ready to go wherever it is that you're calling us. There's a difference there. It's not just to listen, it's to obey. It's not just to hear, it's to do. It's not just to listen, it's to follow. And Jesus is saying there's, there's more 
on the table. Look back at verse three and four in John chapter 10 for a minute. It's such, such a powerful picture. He says, listen, uh, the shepherd comes to the sheep pen. He calls them by name. He takes those who are his own. And then he says, and then I lead them out going on ahead of them. I love this picture that Jesus gives us that we as God's people, it's not just that God sends us into the world, it's that God himself goes before us. That we are never the leaders, that at best we are always just the followers. That God is always ahead of the curve, that he's always moving into the future, that God always knows what's coming. And Jesus says, listen, I am leading the way. Jump down to verse 10, John chapter 10, verse 10. He says, and I wanna show you where I'm leading. He says, the thief talking about Satan has come to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But I've come to give you life and life to the fullest. Jesus says, here's where I'm leading. I am leading you towards fullness. I am leading you towards fullness. And that fullness, jump down to verse 14 is that you come to this understanding that the Father knows you and you can know him. That's the fullness. My confession to you for so long is I was scared of hearing from God because I was scared that if I heard from him, I would not like what he would say. Have any of you been there? I won't make you raise your hand. I can't tell you how many times I've prayed, God, speak to me. And then instantly I'm like, but don't send me to Africa. <laughs> you know, like, God, God, speak to me, but don't address any of the sin in my life. God, speak to me, but don't make me do something I don't want to do. And so there was this kind of tension in me. I wanted to hear the voice of God, but I was scared that if I heard his voice, all of a sudden I would have to do something about the voice that I just heard. And that feeling that I know so many of us in this room probably have said far more about my character than it did God's character. Kind of somewhere deep down inside of me, what that revealed was that I did not trust that God was a good father who knew what was best for my life and that his son Jesus was trying to lead me towards fullness. But as soon as I began to understand that God is an amazing father and that his son Jesus has come to lead you into the fullness of life, all of a sudden the hunger for his voice and the desire to follow him wherever he may lead began to just erupt in me. Do you believe that God will really do right by you if you give him the entirety of your life? Do you believe that if you give him the entirety of who you are, that God will honor you with that? Until you believe that he will honor you with that, you will never stop to listen. Because there will always be this fear that if I hear him, then I have to respond. And so you'll keep living how I did for the first 26 years of my life. Is that God, I'll just keep managing my life however I want. And then if there's something you really wanna get my attention on, you better do it. And then hopefully I'll respond. And God says, no, there's more than that. See, all relationships are not created equal. And you know this whether or not you choose to buy into it. And the truth is, if your relationship with God does not come first, everything else will suffer. If your relationship with God is not built upon an intimate knowledge, not just about him, but of, of him, with him, through him, through the person of Jesus, everything else will struggle. And Jesus says, listen, the way you step into that is through listening and obeying, through listening and following. I wanna end this morning 
by just giving you a little bit of homework. I know some of us are followers of Jesus and some of us aren't. And it's one thing to kind of take this in mentally and to go, man, our Father wants to know us. He knows us. He wants you to know Him. He wants to speak. But I want to just give you a couple of practical handles that I've used to open up my life, to, to hear the voice of God. This is for those of you that are Christian and those of you that aren't. I would encourage you, uh, if you're not a follower of Jesus, if you wanna know if God is real, to lean into some of these things, okay? So I'll just give you a few kind of quick homework assignments to try this week. Five things, you can write them down, then we'll pray and take communion. We'll move through these very quickly. Number one, number one is that you make the space, that you make the space to hear the voice. It's what we talked about a few minutes ago. If you do not create space intentionally in your life, you will more often than not miss the ways that God is getting your attention. In fact, most of us, because we don't create space, the only time we ever notice God's voice into our life is through pain and suffering. It's the reason pain and suffering become so powerful, but God has been speaking to you long before you encountered pain and suffering. And so one of the things I challenge you to do is to, to make space in your life you know, for me, I try to take the first 15 minutes of my morning, the 15 minutes before I go to lunch, and the 15 minutes before I go to sleep at night, and to just still my heart before the Lord. I don't always do this. I don't always do it perfectly. But the days I do this, it's amazing the ways in which the voice of God begins to come into my life. So number one, make space. We'll keep moving pretty quickly. Number two is that you tune in. That you tune in, and so one of the things that we mentioned earlier is all the ways that God speaks. We'll do a whole series on this sometime because I know we just kind of breeze through it. But I wanna encourage you, this is so important, and you really need to hear this, is that as a body of believers here at Ethos, we weigh all the words of God against the inspired word of God. Does that make sense? And so God speaks a lot of ways, but the ways in which you and I begin to kind of tune in and understand, is that really God speaking, is the way we discern through the word together in the context of community. And so we used to have this piano in our office and every so often it would get out of tune and we'd hire someone to come tune that piano. And the person would come into the room and he'd bring out this little instrument, this little tool and he would hit it and it would give him a perfect C. It would give him the, the, the note that he was gonna tune the rest of the piano on. And he knew that if he didn't have the first note right, the rest of it would go poorly. The scriptures in so many ways, it's like God's perfect sea. It's, it's the way in which we begin to interpret our circumstances. It's the way we begin to interpret, interpret the prophetic words and the visions and the things that God brings into our lives, the circumstances. And so I'd encourage you, number one, make space. Number two, tune into the word of God. Read the word of God. Devour the word of God. Memorize the word of God. Love the word of God because the word of God will help you understand all the other words of God. Number three, take note. Make space, tune in, take note. I'm not a journaler, I hate journaling. Um, but a few years ago, when I went on this, started going on this journey with God, uh, I opened up a note in my phone and then it became a journal. Uh, God tricked me into journaling, I guess, but uh, I got a journal and I just started writing down every day the things that God used to get my attention. This passage of scripture, this song, this conversation with a friend, this dream I had last night, whatever it is. And one of the things that I realized is I'm so spiritually ADD, it wasn't that God was speaking, it's just that I didn't know what to do with the things that he was saying. And so I started writing down everything that God used to get my attention. I would take note of it. And then in the context of house churches and friends and groups, we'd get together and we'd begin processing. Okay, wh what do you think God's speaking into my life? Sydney and I do this, I did this uh, a few weeks ago with her. I typed up my prayer journal and I sent it her way and I said, are you noticing anything? 
Can you help me discern what God is trying to say into my life right now? Make space, tune in, take note. Number four, obey quickly. Obey quickly. Jesus says your life is blessed, not when you just hear his words, but when you do something with it. He says the wise man, the one who built his house upon the rock is the one who takes the words of God and puts them into practice. It's not just a cute kid's song. It's an axiom for how you walk in intimacy with God, how you know God, how you walk with God in real depth. And as you start listening to God, God is gonna inevitably say things to you. Some of them will feel like a big deal and some of them won't. But the writer of Hebrews in chapter three and chapter four says that don't be like the people that when you hear the voice of God today, don't harden your hearts. Because when you hear the voice of God and do nothing with it, your hearts become hard and your ears become dull. Delayed obedience is like earwax in your spiritual ears. And as you lean into the obedience of the Lord, all of a sudden his voice becomes more clear to you. Make space, tune in, take note, obey quickly. And the last one, number five, embrace the mystery. Embrace the mystery. I can almost promise you that if you do these things this week, God will not speak to you the way that you want him to. I can almost promise you if you treat this like a formula, it will fail you. But I promise you, your heavenly Father who is real and good and amazing is speaking. And he will speak to you in the ways that will most engage your heart to his fullness. I have come that they may have life and life to the fullest. Can you imagine what would happen if we as a church said, okay, all relationships are not equal. The starting point for us will be knowing our Heavenly Father and as we gather and as we worship and as we commune and as we read the scriptures, it's not just to know about God, it is to know him. And that's where we're gonna start and everything else will flow out of that. Let's pray together as we get ready for communion. Father, thank you for the gift of your word.